There are many things grabbing for our attention, but keeping God in the center is the most important. The message is entitled, Keep Us, Part 1. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Well, go ahead and grab your teaching notes. They're right there on the website or on the application you're using to watch this weekend's service. Get those notes in front of you. And we're going to continue our series together called Teach Us. For the last several weeks, we've been talking about the importance of learning the power of and how to pray. Teach us to pray. There was a time, as we've talked about in this series, when one of Jesus' disciples came to him and made a request of him. That request is recorded in Luke chapter 11, verse number one. Listen to it again. Once Jesus was praying, so Jesus was engaged in a time of prayer in a certain place. When he stopped praying, one of his disciples said to him, notice this request, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. There in that moment, this disciple was so deeply impressed with the prayer life of Jesus, perhaps not just at this moment, but as he had watched Jesus pray on a variety of occasions, something about the way Jesus prayed was different from the way anyone else prayed, and he wanted to learn to pray the Jesus way. Teach us to pray. In fact, as we've been doing together over the last several weeks, let me encourage you to even whisper that prayer right now, Lord, teach me to pray. What a great request. Now, Jesus responded to the request of teach us how to pray Jesus your way with giving us what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to read this for you, recorded from Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 9, down through verse 13, and you'll see that there are a number of different things that Jesus gave us as principles of or processes of or points of prayer. This is more than just a prayer that you are to recite. It's a prayer that actually leads you through a process of prayer. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Remember the request, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. That's where we live, obviously, as it is in heaven. That's where God lives. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Some translations will add as well. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now in this series, this Teach Us to Pray series, part of what I'm hoping to do as a, as a part of this series is to help you to enrich, help us to enrich our prayer life by showing you that there are all kind of dimensions of prayer. Prayer is not just something you whisper in a, an emergency situation. It's not something you just ritualistic, ritualistically declare or legalistically, legalistically go through in your spiritual journey. No, there's a real relationship in prayer, and there are many aspects by which and in which we can pray. And I want to talk to us this weekend about an implied and actually at some level stated aspect of prayer, and we're going to talk about what I'm calling the keep us prayer. Jesus teaches us that we are to pray a keep us prayer. Now, this keep us prayer is found in verse 13, where Jesus said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Or we might say, keep us from temptation and keep us from the evil one. A few weeks ago, we, we talked about an old, uh, a man in the Old Testament by the name of Jabez who prayed a very distinctive prayer as well. In fact, there are only two verses in the Bible ascribed to, Jay's, to Jabez, and those two verses really identify the prayer that he prayed. And in this prayer that Jabez prayed, recorded in 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10, he also prayed the keep us prayer. Let me read for you again. 
Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, that is, he's praying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. That's the increase us prayer that we talked about. Let your hand be with me and notice the next two words. Keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Jesus says, pray that we would be led not into temptation, delivered from evil, kept from temptation, kept from evil. Jabez prays, Lord, keep us from harm. Keep me from harm. We're going to talk today about this whole idea of what, it, what does it mean to pray the keep us prayer. And I've divided this message as well into two parts. So I would encourage you to be back with us again next week as we continue to expand upon this very powerful keep us prayer. But I hope that you're learning as I am all the different avenues of prayer, that your prayer life is being enriched as a part of this series. So it's the keep us prayer. The Keep Us Prayer really has a number of elements. I'm going to talk to you about three elements of the Keep Us Prayer this weekend, and we'll talk about more of those, as I said, next weekend. Three elements of the Keep Us Prayer. Number one, when you pray, you need to pray this prayer, keep us from. I'm going to talk about some things that we're to be kept from. In fact, that word from and all the words that I'll use as your important words this weekend are prepositions. They're words that are used in grammar to connect you to some other word, some other process, some other thing. So I want to talk about the keep us from. Notice that word from. From means to actually be kept away from something or to be brought into relationship with something. From, that is, speaks of a, a, a relational aspect of things. And let me share with you five things that we're to be kept from when we pray or to ask God to keep us from. Number one, Jesus made it clear, Lord, keep us from temptation. Let's talk a little bit about temptation. Temptation is any kind of situation or thought or word or circumstance or person or event that entices you to do that which is wrong or that which is evil. All of us face temptation at times, but we are to pray, Lord, keep us away from temptation. Help us not to walk into temptation. Help us to be discerning and help us to avoid situations and thoughts and words and circumstances and people that would entice us to do wrong or to do evil. That's a very valuable prayer to pray. Again, Jesus spoke of it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, and lead us not or keep us away from temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, the Apostle Paul speaks of this importance of praying or moving away from temptation in these words. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. One of the ways that we move away from temptation is by learning to pray this keep us from temptation prayer. I would encourage you every morning as you start your day and as you go through your day from time to time in your day, just stop for a moment and say, Lord, I'm praying that today you would help me to be discerning, help me to be aware of and help me to avoid any kind of situation or any kind of thought or word or any kind of circumstance or any kind of person that would 
pull me into doing something that is wrong and contrary to your heart and contrary to your will. It's a prayer that Jesus wants to answer in your life. And then the second one I'm talking about this weekend in terms of keep us from is keep us from harm. It's important to ask God to actually keep you from things that are potentially going to hurt or damage your life or cause damage to other people through you. Keep me from harm. The psalmist writes this in Psalm 16, verse number one, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. The psalmist says, God, I'm asking you, it's my prayer that you would keep me safe, keep me from harm, my God, for in you I take refuge. It's a great prayer to pray not only for yourself, but for your family, for people that you care for, that you're concerned about. God, I'm praying you would keep me from temptation and keep me from harm and keep those that I love from temptation and those I love from harm. The third word is, is the word evil. Keep me from evil. Now you might say, well, we've, we've kind of talked about that with temptation. No, I want to draw this out in a, in a bit different application here. Evil, I want you to think of it as an active, real, invisible force of evil that's in our world. See, in the world in which we live, there is a, there is a spirit, there are spirits, we might say, of darkness and the dark realm of the kingdom of darkness. Satan is the prince of the kingdom of the power of the air, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6. And so there's an invisible realm. You cannot see it, but there is a, a true force of evil in the world pushing and pulling people toward that which is contrary to God. And so we're to pray, keep us from evil or keep us from the evil one, keep us from evil activity that is seeking to influence our thoughts and our behaviors, our actions, our attitudes. And there are dark forces that want to invade your life, invade your family, invade your environment, and somehow pull you away toward an anti-God perspective. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, the Apostle Paul makes this statement about the importance of avoiding this principle of evil, this evil element that's in our world and the evil one that's behind it. But the Lord is faithful, he writes, he will strengthen you and notice this, protect you from the evil one. So I would encourage you again every day and throughout your day, Lord, today I'm praying a very simple prayer. I'm asking you to keep me from temptation. I'm asking you to keep those that I love from temptation. Lord, I'm asking you to keep me from harm. I'm praying that you would protect my life and protect those that concern those things that concern me and those people that I love protect from harm. And God, would you protect me from the evil devices, the schemes of Satan, the schemes of the adversary? And would you protect those that I love from evil? Then number four, protect me from and work in my life to keep me from wrong influences. An influence is anything that convinces your mind of going a particular direction or making a particular decision or a particular choice. And just like there are evil forces in our world, there are also evil pressures in our world. The world itself exerts a certain amount of pressure upon you and me to live an anti-God life. See, the world doesn't line up with the principles of God's kingdom. So there is a not only a spirit of darkness in terms of satanic influence, but there's a worldly spirit, a world out there that wants to pressure you to conform your life to the way it get lives life and the way that it pursues its objectives and priorities. And so we're called to pray, God, keep us from wrong influences. Notice Proverbs 2, 7 through 9. He, God, grants good sense to the godly, his saints. 
He is their shield, protecting them and guarding their pathway. That is how they walk. He shows how to distinguish right from wrong and how to find the right decision every time. So we're praying, God, would you help me to move away from any pressure that is pushing me off the right pathway and let me stay on the pathway that allows me to do the right things in life. And then number five, we're to pray, God, keep me from wrong thinking and wrong speaking. We've talked a bit about the wrong thinking, but wrong thinking oftentimes is far more than just thinking that is necessarily evil or thinking that's related to temptation. You can have wrong thinking in terms of just negativity and viewing the world from a, from a wrong perspective and viewing relationships from a wrong perspective that you, you're building your life on things that are not true. And so untruths find their way in you and they affect your emotions and they affect the way you live your life and you approach other people. And so God, I'm asking you to keep me from any thinking that is contrary to healthy thinking and, and, and God godly thinking and also uh, wholesome thinking. Lord, let my mind be not only cleansed, but let my mind be healthy in the way that I go about thinking thoughts and processing life. So God deliver me from and keep me from wrong thinking and wrong speaking. See, what's in your heart eventually comes out of your mouth. And of course, if we're not careful, things can come from our mouths that very adversely affect not only our lives, but affect the lives of other people. And so we need to pray, God, keep me from speaking things that would hurt me or hurt other people or hurt your influence through my life. The psalmist David prayed this prayer himself in Psalm 19, verse 14, the Passion Translation. Notice this is a prayer that David prayed himself. It's a prayer related to his thinking and a prayer related to his speaking. So may the words of my mouth, my meditation-thoughts, and every movement of my heart be always pure and pleasing, acceptable before your eyes, my only redeemer, my protector, God. I love the way the Passion Translation renders this. May the words of my mouth and the meditation or the thoughts and every movement of my heart always be pure and pleasing, acceptable to you, God. You're my redeemer. You're my protector, my rock and my redeemer, as one translation says. So think with me for a moment that when you start your day and as you go through your day, God, I ask you to not only bless my day, but to keep me from temptation and keep me from harm and keep me from the evil influences that would try to trap my life in some way, keep me from wrong influences that would try to pressure me in the wrong direction and keep me in my own personal life from wrong thinking and wrong speaking. It is the keep us from prayer. And it's a very important prayer to pray. The second keep us prayer is to keep us for. The first one keep us from, second one keep us for. For describes a design. Something's created for a purpose or for a plan. And when God created you, he created you for something. You're not an accident. You were created for something. It's important to remember and to understand that you are created for something and your life needs to be focused on what God created you for. You're created for God's purposes and for God's plans, and you're created for God's assignments. Let me say that again. God created you for 
his purposes and his plans, not your purposes or your plans or somebody else's purposes or plans for your life, but you were created for God's purposes and God's plans, and you were created to fulfill God's assignments for your life, not your own assignments, not just how living life, how you want to live. No, there's a, there's a distinct and a very definite purpose for which God created you. And so when you pray, God, I'm asking you not only to keep me from those things we talked about, but God, I'm asking you to keep me today for, for your purposes and for your plans and for your assignments. Listen to Paul's description of this in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 28. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Lots of things we could talk about in this particular passage. But what I want you to see here is very simple, but nevertheless very profound. That you and I are not just going to stumble into the promises of God, or I should say the purposes of God. It's not just going to automatically happen in your life. It's not just kind of fate taking over and making whatever happen, happen that God would want to happen in your life. No, we have a part to play. In fact, here in Romans 8, verses 26 through 28, we're very clearly shown that our prayer life is very, very important. It's, it contributes to us finding God's will and living out God's purpose. And so when you start your day, you need to say, God, I want to live for your purpose today. I want to live for your plan today. I don't want my plans or the plans of anyone else around me to, to adversely affect my life. I want to live for your purpose. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 and 10, Living Bible. But you're not like that, for you have been chosen by God himself. You are priest of the king. You are holy and pure. You are God's very own. All this so that, so that you may show. Here's purpose. So that you may show to others how God called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were less than nothing, now you're God's own. Once you knew very little of God's kindness, now your very lives have been changed by it. Here's what I want you to see from this passage. It's very clear that God has chosen you and me. Notice, notice we've been chosen by God, but we've been chosen for a purpose so that we may show to others how God called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And through the life that we live, we're helping others, other people to see that they have an opportunity to be called out of darkness as well. Here's what I want to drive home for you today. And this message is a part of this praying for, keep us for something is to understand that God's purpose for your life is not just going to automatically happen. You're not going to stumble into it as though it's a fate for your life and you have no control over it. No, you pray your way into the purposes of God. That as you start your day and as you go through your day, God, I'm asking that you'll keep me on target with your purpose. Keep me on target with your plans. Keep me on target for your will. Help me not to miss the fact that I'm chosen to do something that will advance your cause and your kingdom in the world today. God, I'm asking you to keep me for the purpose and plan and the assignment you have for me. Psalm 143 verse 10 is a specific prayer that David prayed along these lines. He says, teach me to do 
Notice this, circle these on your notes or highlight them or certainly remember them. Teach me to do whose will your will, O God, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. David takes time to pray this very specific prayer. God, I don't want to just think that I'm going to stumble into your purpose for my life. I know that I have to have a, I have a part to play in this. So I'm, I'm on my knees asking you to teach me, help me to understand, instruct me, guide me to do your will. You're my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. You know, I've learned in my life that there are times as I go through my day that as I just take a moment to stop and just reflect on what I'm doing and pray a simple prayer like the keep us for prayer, keep us for your purpose, God, keep me for your purpose. Many times I know that my day is redirected based upon that simple prayer that I pray. And the same can be for you that we cooperate with God through our prayers and discovering and living in his purpose and fulfilling his assignments. And then the third thing and the final thing I want to talk to us about this weekend, the keep us prayer is the keep us in. So keep us from, keep us for, and keep us in. Why don't you say those three with me? Keep us from, keep us for, and keep us in. Let's look at the keep us in. To be in is to be in. When you're in, that is you're steadfast. You're inside something or you're involved in some activity. You're involved in some relationship. When you're in the car, you're inside the car. When you have a relationship, you're in a relationship. When you have a friendship, you're in a friendship. And so that word in is a very powerful word describing your commitment to or your involvement inside or with something. And so God, I'm praying that you will keep me in. Let's talk about three things that you and I need to be kept in very closely, very strongly kept inside this activity, this relationship. Number one, God, I'm praying that you'll help me to keep, be kept in a, a fruitful relationship with you, Jesus. The most important relationship in your life is your relationship with Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people that are saying right now in your life, maybe even you right now are saying, I, I need this kind of friend or that kind of friend or this kind of person in my life. And, and maybe you feel lonely. And certainly that is a human emotion that we all feel from time to time. But oftentimes we try to fill the void of relationships in our lives with, with people and people end up disappointing us and people end up letting us down and some people come and go from our lives and we find ourselves not being able to, depend, to fully depend upon people. But as the scripture says, there's a friend that will stick closer, closer to you than, than a brother. There's a friend that will never leave you and a friend that will never forsake you. And you need to be kept in relationship with the greatest friend you'll ever have. Doesn't mean that you don't need other people in your life. Other people are valuable. But I promise you this, you can have the you can have the, the most friends in the world and you'll still be lonely if you don't have a friendship with God. And so you need to have a fruitful relationship with Jesus. And so this is something like any other relationship, you have to stay in it. So if you don't put your heart into a relationship, what's going to happen to the relationship? If you don't put your heart into your marriage, what's going to happen to your marriage? If you don't put your heart into your friendships, what's going to happen with your friendships? No relationship is able to survive without putting yourself into it. And the same is true in your relationship with Jesus. You have to put something in, be kept in the relationship. I promise you, he will never walk away from you, but oftentimes we walk away from him. Maybe recently in your life, 
You've kind of begun to walk away from Jesus. You haven't been as close in with him as you were in times past. Notice how John the Apostle speaks of this. Actually, the words of Jesus that are recorded for us in John chapter 15, verse number five. Jesus says this, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who notice this phrase live in me. Circle that. Note that on your, on your, on your notes. Highlight it in your mind. Those who live, notice, in me while I live in them will produce a lot of fruit. So Jesus says, here's how it works. The way this relationship works is I'm like a vine. I'm the vine. You guys are the branches. Those that know me claim relationship with me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. And if you will live in me while I'm living in you, the result is going to be wonderful. You'll produce a lot of fruit, some good things, some amazingly good things will come for your life. But you can't produce anything without me. You can't produce anything without me. What is he saying there? Is he, does he say, is he saying you can't accomplish anything at all without Jesus? No, it's not saying it. So you can't accomplish anything of eternal value and eternal worth and real meaning and real purpose, as we described a few moments ago, apart from him. And so the most important thing as you pray each day is, Lord, I'm praying that today you would help me to to be in, to be kept in a personal relationship with you. I'm praying the keep me prayer, Jesus. Keep me in relationship with you. Let me not be a detached branch. Let me be an attached branch to you, the vine. And I want to be in you so that you're in me and that life can flow and fruit can be produced in my life to your honor and to your glory. And then we need to be kept in right relationship with other people. Think about it for a moment. When you're not in right relationship with someone that you're, you're close to or should be close to, what does that do to your day? You've ever had a fight with someone in the morning and it affected your entire day? Or maybe you had a fight with someone at the beginning of the week and two weeks later you were still struggling with that distance in the relationship because you were not in good standing with that person. Something in your life, in the relationship, was blocking the flow, the communication. Maybe you'd stop talking to one another. Something got in the way of that relationship and you're not in good standing with another person. And any time that you and I are not in good standing with God, we're in trouble. And also when we're not in good standing with people, we need to pray that God would help us to stay in right relationship with other people. And that requires some work. It requires some prayer. There are many times in life that you're going to come across things in a relationship that you have to pray your way through, pray your way through forgiveness and pray your way through whatever animosity you may have inside of you or emotions that may be stirred in you and pray your way back into fellowship, not only with God, but with that person. So you're forgiving and you're letting go of things that need to be let go of and you're in right relationship. You can't have an effective life, a fully effective life when you're not in right relationship with the people that you need to be in right relationship with. That's why Ephesians 4 verse 3 is a very important statement. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit. He's talking to us as believers. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And so you've got to work at it. You've got to pray for it. You've got to let your prayers be directed toward relational issues that are keeping you separated from others so your relationships can not only be healed and mended, but kept strong and healthy. Lord, keep me in right relationship with you and keep me in right relationship with other people. And then, Lord, keep me in, in my place of calling and my place of assignment. 
I'm going to read you Psalm 92 in just a moment, but let me talk about this calling and assignment for a moment. Part of what happens in our world so frequently, it happens in all of our lives from time to time, is we end up comparing ourselves with other people. We look at our lives, we look at someone else's, and before long, we begin to judge our lives on the basis of somebody else's life. And what happens is we begin to adopt the calling that they have on their lives in our lives and find out things aren't as well for us as they seem to be for the other person. It's so true, especially in this world of social media, that in social media, it's so easy to look at Facebook or Instagram or some of those kind of accounts and look at somebody else's life and you see all the highlight roles of their life and you're comparing your life with what's going on with their life and it doesn't seem to be fair to you and you seem to be, I wish I had what they have. And so you stop living your life and vicariously, you start living their life and comparing yourself with them and you get yourself into trouble. And so part of what you and I need to pray is God, would you keep me focused in on my own place of calling and my own place of assignment? You and I haven't been called to live anybody else's life. We're only called to live the life that Jesus wants us to live. And there's a lane that Jesus wants you to run in, and it's your lane. And you get in trouble, and I get in trouble when we slip out of our lane and try to get into somebody else's lane. And you need to stay in Notice that word again, keep me in. You need to stay in your lane, in your place of calling and in your place of assignment. Psalm 92 verse 13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And so you get planted not only in God, but planted in his house. You become a part of a church family and say, this is my place. I'm a part of the body here. I'm contributing something to this body. I'm unique. I'm offering something of my time and treasure and talents that are uniquely mine to this body of believers accomplishing Jesus' will in the world. And so I'm planted in the house of God, in my lane, in my place. I have my part to play that I'm valuable and contributing with time, treasure, and talents to the advance of God's kingdom. Planted in the house of God. 2 Timothy 4 verse 5. But you, keep your eyes on what you're doing. Notice that phrase. Keep your eyes on what you're doing. Not on what somebody else is doing, but keep your eyes on what you're doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. That is, you're going to have some hard times. Everybody does. I don't care who you're comparing your life with. You might say, well, it seems like they never have any hard times. I always have hard times. No, I assure you, everybody has their own hard times and everybody has their good times. And so you've got to be in your lane. But you, notice again, message paraphrase, 2 Timothy 4, 5. But you, keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive. That's the message of the gospel. Do a thorough job as God's servant. That is, find out what your job is in the kingdom of God and do a thorough job of what you're assigned to do. I love Paul's words to our keep us in, uh, recorded in Colossians chapter 4, 17. And so actually it's an instruction that really applies to all of us as well. And oh yes, tell our keep us, do your best, do your best in the job you received from the master. Do your very best. Paul says to our keep us, there was a job that you received from the master. Do your best. You have a job. You have a lane. Do your very best. The same is true for you and me, that you have a job. There's something that God's asked you to do. Don't worry about anyone else. Lord, keep me in the calling you have for me and keep me in the assignment you have for me. We're going to put a little parenthesis right there and we'll come back and continue this theme next week. But can I remind you again, what is the keep us prayer? 
Lord, keep us from certain things that would be destructive in, our, in my life. Keep me for the purposes and plans that you've ordained for me and keep me in the calling and the assignment that you've established for my life. Let me not spend my time and energy trying to run somebody else's race. Let me run the race that you've set for me. It is the keep us prayer as a prayer that is found all throughout the pages of scripture. And it's a prayer that I promise you, Jesus will answer as you pray because you're praying in accordance with his will. Let's pray together right now. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we've had this weekend to think about, to contemplate the keep us prayer. And Lord, we do pray that you would keep us from those things that would be destructive in our lives. We pray that you would keep us for the purposes and plans that you've ordained for us. As we go through our day, let us not just assume that we're going to be discovering your purpose and plan, but Lord, let us pray our way into your purpose and your plan. And Lord, I pray you'd keep us in relationship with you and in right relationship with other people and keep us, Lord, in those, those, those callings, the assignments that you have for our lives. Lord, we do pray today with expectation, with confidence to keep us prayer. And we thank you for answering it in Jesus' name, amen. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.